Thank you for choosing to listen to our sermon podcast. My name is Chris Mitchell. I'm one of the pastors here at First Covenant Church of Anchorage. If you have any questions or prayer requests, feel free to stop by or send an email to office at anchoragefirstcovenant.com. God bless. Well, I hope we all, actually I bet you next week, Everybody in this church is going to forget the Lord's Prayer and the doxology <laughs> whenever we ask. Um, who? who knows it? Um, actually, let's just pray for an- another moment before we hear the word. God, you are good. And your word is true and steadfast, Lord. And we ask that we can hear it proclaimed, that it can enter into our lives and transform us. In Christ's name, amen. (sighs) Okay. Well, this is Palm Sunday, um, when we remember Jesus' final entry into Jerusalem. And he was welcomed as a king celebrated by people who've heard his miracles, his healing, his raising of Lazarus from the dead. But the party was short-lived. On Wednesday, Judas met with the chief priest to arrange to betray Jesus. On Thursday, Jesus held the Last Supper with the disciples. On Friday, Jesus was arrested and crucified. And on Saturday, he was sealed in the tomb. Uh, This week marks the culmination of the story of Jesus' life and his work. Now, we've been going through Colossians, and there's been a repeated emphasis that Jesus was a person with a real body. And this week we remember that that body died. Next week we'll remember that it rose again. But this week we remember that he laid down his life. Why did he do that? Because he submitted his life to the rule. That love requires sacrifice. Love requires giving giving up your rights. For God so loved the world that he gave and oh I'm sorry, Liam, there's a ton of slides today. But um and I gave him gave him no indication of how to change him, but he'll do his best. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life, right? John 3.16. The Father loved the world and sent his Son. And then Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and found in the appearance of man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. That's Philippians 2.6-9. The Son loved the Father and was obedient. He came down to earth to save and redeem it. And we are invited to participate in that loving, sacrificial relationship. Okay, this was the sermon two weeks ago from Colossians. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you have grievance against someone. 
forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body you are called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell richly among you as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That's all Colossians 12 through 17. We participate in the kingdom of heaven through God's example of sacrificial love and mutual submission. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. It's Romans 12.10. And you might have noticed, I am throwing a lot of scripture, scripture at you this morning before I even get started. Um, because uh, we're going to be looking at one of the most misunderstood and actually uncomfortable passages of scripture this morning. And those are the household codes. The household codes. And, and these, these codes are an important part of the scripture because they're repeated, like in some form or another, at least five times in the New Testament. And then even in the early church, they wrote a lot about them. Some of our earliest church writings, the Didache, an early discipleship training manual, um, had a section on them. Uh, St. Ignatius and Polycarp and Clement, um, really, really early church fathers wrote about them and had sections on them. Polycarp was a disciple of the Apostle John, and he wrote about these. So they're important. Now, I guess I should actually define what a household code is. But it's basically instructions on how a household should be run. How it should be organized. And the household codes, they make ethics, like, explicitly practical. Explicitly practical. Because it's easy to hear, honor one another above yourself. But it's kind of hard to hear sometimes, honor this person. This specific person you know. This specific person in your life. Honor that person more than yourselves. Right? That's much more difficult. It's, it's, it's easy to, to love an abstract proposition, an ideal. But whenever you actually like name that person you're supposed to honor, that gets uncomfortable. Like it's hard. Now, this is me all hedging, right? I just spent two pages just uh, kind of giving all the background because I'm because I don't like to deal with this, right? Nobody likes to deal with this type of stuff. But with all that being said, let's read through Colossians household codes. Um, that's chapter three, starting at verse eighteen. Wives, submit to yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husband, love your wives and not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. I did not plan on this for you guys being here. So just so you know, that, that was not like explicitly directed towards you. It's just the Bible. God knew what you needed to hear. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. And do it not only when their eye is on you, and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for some human master. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ whom you are serving. 
Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. And do you see what Paul's doing here in these codes? He's centering Jesus. He's making Jesus the center. It means in every relationship, how you relate to that other person is based on how you relate to Jesus. Um, in, in the ancient world, there were all sorts of instructions on how you should run your household, right? How your home should be run. What's the proper way to do things? But those were all based on a hierarchy, right? This person is better than this person. So, you know, women were inferior to men. So men should, should rule. Children are inferior to adults. Slaves are inferior to their owners. But Christ destroys hierarchies between people. Nobody's better, right? In the, in the passage, right before all this, in Colossians 3.11, here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. So if there's no one better than one another, then the household has to run on some other principle. And that principle is Christ is all and in all. That's the principle. So let's walk through this. When Paul wrote, wives submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. It's not a commandment based on women's inferiority. Um, actually, uh, we'll, we'll take a break from Colossians and have an Easter sermon on Easter. But the week after, we'll finish up Colossians. And we'll look at how Paul honored and acknowledged a, a woman's high place and authority in Colossae. So it's not that women are inferior. It's a call to lay down one's rights and privileges, as all Christians are supposed to. And when Paul wrote, husband, love your wives and do not be harsh with them, he isn't saying that the men, man is the head of the household. He's putting boundaries on them. He's limiting male privilege. Right? He's saying, if you're a Christian, you don't have the right to dominate your wife. Treat her like Jesus. Lay down your rights and privileges. Okay, this is radical. This is radical. Because if Jesus is the center of your household, you relate to one another through Jesus. And as we read earlier, Jesus laid down his privileges, his divine privileges. He was born human. Likewise, children, obey your parents and everything, for this pleases the Lord. Once again, obedience isn't based on being younger. It's not because of all the sacrifices that the parents have made for you. Instead, it's because it makes Jesus happy. Don't you want to make Jesus happy? Obey your parents. Now, I, I've read several different interpretations of this verse. Um, and some said this applied to adult children because the households are multi-generational. And some said, no, the language seems to indicate little children. I don't know. Um, and ultimately, I don't think it matters. Because the principle is the same as all the other principles. Give up your rights. Give up your claims of what you think you think you're entitled to. Sacrifice and honor your parents. And and the next ex extortion to parents, uh, exhortation, not extortion, um, <laughs> exhortation to the parents is really interesting. Uh, father, do not fathers do not embitter your children, or they will be discouraged. Okay, Paul says fathers, but I'm contextualizing because I think he really means moms and dads, but. Do not embitter your children. 
Do not put your baggage on your kids. Don't be harsh. And, and I have to say, as a former public school teacher and a youth pastor, there is nothing sadder than kids that have given up. A kid that knows that like they'll never measure up, that's decided to stop trying, that is depressing. I remember meeting uh, with, with this uh, one, one parent, and her son was uh, the most apathetic kid I ever met. Uh, this was my I was a public school teacher. And he didn't care about anything. Now I was talking to the mom, and you know we were kind of talking about his complete lack of effort in everything. And she's like, I don't know what to do. I've taken everything away from him. And I had to say, like, maybe that's part of the problem. <laughs> right? He didn't need more things taken away from him. He just has learned to love nothing <laughs> and to give up. If anything, he needed to learn how to love things. We needed to, she needed to find, like, what are those things that he likes and feed those things? Parents, it's our job to cultivate our children's heart to be receptive to God. That's our primary duty as parents. But instead, instead of that, look at what we emphasize. Athletics, academics, social status, job prospects, propriety. And it's not like those things are bad, right? I have kids. I want them to be successful. I want them to be well-liked. I'd like them to be well-educated. I'd like them to be healthy. But where's spiritual development on that list? Where is it ranked? In terms of priority, where is it put? Now, of course, it's not necessarily an either-or thing, but it's easy to spend all of our time doing the things that do not lead to a Jesus-shaped life. Kind of hoping that they're just going to find Jesus along the way. How discouraging for them. How embittering. We let the world dictate the shape of our children's lives. Which, if you're a father of Christ, you should know that that's going to lead to disappointment, to heartache, to death. We should know that, right? We say that all the time. But that's, that's what we prepare our kids for. That's what we feed. Sometimes, parents, we need to learn to let go of all of our dreams for our children that do not lead them to life. We need to learn how to let them lay them down for the sake of the gospel, for the gospel taking root in their lives. Okay, I'm spending so much time on this because I'm a dad. And I was preaching to myself when I was writing all this. Because it's hard. It's hard to do that. Uh, we want them to do well. We want them to be well-liked and to fit in and have all these other things. But sometimes we forget about Jesus. And how are we nurturing that? All right, let's move along. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eyes are on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs. And there is no favoritism. All right. That was a little bit longer chunk of scriptures. So 
I have to say this um, first caveat. The type of slavery that was known here, um, it was not chattel slavery like in the United States. It's a different kind of slavery. And it's not to say that their slavery was better. Um, their slavery was still horrific, but it's not that slaves were considered subhuman, right? They were not bred and traded like cattle. Um, I, I'd like to, I would like to think that, um, that the ancient world would have been horrified at the type of slavery that, that we've had. But all that being said, slavery was still horrible um, in the ancient world. Uh, slaves had very little rights. They were abused. They were sexually preyed upon. But Paul spends this giant section reassuring slaves that despite their status, they are co-heirs, inheritors of the kingdom. And that's huge. Because the scriptures teach that though the world may say that you're a slave, in the family of God, you are a son or a daughter. There will be justice for the wrongs done to you. You're not forgotten or abandoned. You are beloved and you will have justice. You will have justice. You have rights. God's going to take care of you. So your master is no better than you. Despite your low status, despite your low status, you are beloved. Beloved. And once again, we'll talk about this when we finish up Colossians. But um, as the carrier of this letter, Paul sends Onesimus. And there's a whole book on him. Okay, he's a runaway slave. Okay, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a reason. This is revolutionary stuff. And what does Paul tell the household slaves to do? With all of that honor that he makes sure that they know that they have. And all the reassurances that he gives them that they will have justice and that they are beloved. What does he ask Paul ask them to do? He asks them to submit. To be a model of humility. Not in being abased and humiliated, but in the dignity given to Christ, submit. Follow Jesus. Make him the model, the suffering servant. And the last category, masters, slave owners. Masters provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you have a master in heaven. I love how direct this is. Masters, there's a higher master. Watch out. Um, you're no better than your slaves. Do what's right. Um, it's almost like, you know, there's all these words comforting the slaves. Masters, boom. <laughs> Don't be mean. <laughs> Watch out. Somebody's going to get you. Um, and these are all practical advice. Practical. How do you live your life as a Christ follow, follower? You center Christ in your home. You center Christ. And that's what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's a pattern of mutual submission, right? The son is obedient to the father. The father hands all authority in heaven and earth to the son. Right? There's a pattern of mutual submission that goes on. That's our model. That's what all these codes are doing, right? They're just showing how that we give each other rights, our rights up to one another. All of our relationships should reflect that. So the son is obedient to the father. We're obedient to the son. The son sacrifices himself for our sake. And we center the son in our lives and our relationships. Okay? It's a pattern of mutual submission. Now, um, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention how this and, and the other household codes have been misused. Because whenever you talk about submission, there's always going to be somebody that thinks the point is to make people submit. Um, but this language of submission, um, it's always voluntary. 
It's always voluntary. It's always a voluntary laying down. It's not not having it taken away from you, your, your rights and your authority. It's about laying down who you are. And the language about the people in the quote-unquote higher status, right? That's never about making the other person submit. Notice, it never says, um, children or men, make your wives submit to you. It never says that. It never says, parents, make your children submit to you. It doesn't say that. Slaves or masters, make your slaves listen to you. It doesn't say that. It's always about honoring. It's always about encouraging. It's always about lifting up. Even with kids, even with kids, it's not about making your children listen to you. The scriptural encouragement is not about teaching them or disciplining them, at least not here, okay? That's not the point. It's about not discouraging them. It's about keeping them from getting bitterness in their heart. That's the emphasis. And I know that people, many people, even people here, I know that people here have been hurt by passages like this. Um, and I, I just want to let you know this truth. Abusers are going to abuse. Okay? They will find any fig leaf to justify their behavior including uh, the way that they read scripture. And that's just not what scripture teaches. And we don't fight bad teachings um, and bad interpretations from the Bible with ignoring those passages. We find the better truth. We find the truth that looks like Jesus, and we encourage that. And we draw that out of the scriptures. And the truth here in this passage that we've studied is that Jesus should define our relationships with one another. Christ is all and in all. So center Jesus in your household. Center love in your relationships. Center sacrifice in your relationships. So God will fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding the Spirit gives. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Bearing good fruit in every work. Growing in the knowledge of God. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. So that you may have Great inheritance. Great endurance. I misread that. Endurance and patience. Giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people and the kingdom of light. That's what we do. That's how we participate. That's how we submit to one another. Let's pray. Lord, we lift up the truth to you. We ask it to root in our lives, Lord. Lord, we pray for the humility to submit to one another, to lay down our beloved rights and the ways that we would have to do things to one another, to honor up those that the world might consider below us. Teach us to see you and to honor you in all these relationships. In Christ's name, amen.